sound of that tractor means it's time for us to get to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast. I'm Brandon Lindsay. This is Bam Bam, and we are your host. So we've got a pretty cool episode for you today. As many of you know, this industry can be extremely competitive, and I can promise you that the Charlotte area is no exception to that. Uh, things are very competitive here in the Carolinas. And as much as we wish we didn't have competition at times, we need competition. Competition naturally drives innovation, efficiency, uh, accountability, quality control, all good things. But healthy and, and legal collaboration among competitors has the power to transform the industry in profound ways. By sharing knowledge, best practices, lessons learned, competitors can collectively raise the bar for the industry, ensuring better quality, safer job sites, and sustainability. Today, we're excited to come together to set competition aside for a moment and discuss a topic that the entire dirt world can benefit from. Our guest today is a graduate of NC State University and has worked his way up from the field to project management and is now leading a company as a senior vice president for a very well-respected construction company, Wayne Brothers Companies. We're excited to have Jim Rhodes with us today to help give us the dirt. Jim, welcome. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I couldn't set it my better better myself on the, the intro that you just gave. I mean, competition is wonderful. It was drives this world forward, and I can't thank y'all enough for having me here. Well, we're, I appreciate you reaching out to us because it was it was really cool the way all this got set up. Do you know the story on this one? No, I, I didn't. So Jim actually reached out, and you, I think you sent Caroline um, and our team development group a, a message and said, I actually wrote the quote here. You wrote, our industry has a huge need uh, to focus on this topic. I know we're competitors for both people and projects, but would love nothing more than to help our industry grow from a leadership development standpoint. If I can help in any way, please let me know. Oh, cool. Yeah. And she reached out to me. She said, hey, what do we do with this? I said, I love that. I love that. I think that's so cool. And I, I really admire you for reaching out and wanting to be a part of it. Because for us to tackle the problems that we're facing as an industry, it's going to require that we all start working together. Yeah, I love that. And share those sentiments that you uh, that you just made. It's um, Somebody uh, sent me that post on LinkedIn and said, hey, look at this. And I was like, this is really cool. This is We need to be talking about this more. We, this needs to be something that's brought to the forefront. Um, and exactly what you just read, you know, you, you nailed it. That's what I wrote. And I wrote, Caroline responded back very quickly, which I was amazed at and was happy to be here. You know, where I think we're a week away from when I sent that message to you guys. So thank you all so much for having me. Absolutely. No, it's good. I remember when we started doing the Academy and we started doing the podcast, Brian was sharing a little bit of his story and things that he he had learned, things that we were doing here. And I remember someone asking us, are you worried that someone's going to hear that and start doing it too? Yeah. And his answer was, no, I want that to happen. That's exactly right. what needs to happen. Right. We need to give them the playbook. We need to be a part of that. We need all of our competitors doing the same things that's, in that's, the industry. That's exactly right. If we're if we're all doing good things, the industry's getting better. And Absolutely. if the industry's getting better, then the people that pay us to use our services are going to do more of it, right? I mean, it, it, if if every year we get a little bit worse, then it costs a little bit more to do construction, and eventually they're not going to spend any money doing construction, right? You're right. So we You're keep right. getting better, rising tide lifts all boats. I love it. Those are the people we want to be competing against, right? Yes. Okay. Well, you guys are no stranger to this stuff. You know, this uh, this leadership development, uh, workforce development, re recruiting, changing the narrative on our industry. Y'all have been doing this for a long time. Matter of fact, that's part of the reason you ended up at Wayne Brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I, uh, I met um, Keith Wayne, who's our, our founder and our CEO, at a career fair at NC State. And uh, How long I, ago was that? That was in 2004 or five now. Okay. Um, and uh, it must have been 2005. And, you know, to be real honest, I knew I wanted to do dirt work. I knew I wanted to do heavy infrastructure. But just like most college juniors and seniors, I didn't really know who did it, right? So who? what were the big names in town? Well, they, they were at the, at the uh, senior engineering career fair and – Thank goodness there was about a 20-person line to talk to that contractor. And the back of it ended right at Wayne Brothers. I turned 90 degrees. There was Keith Wayne. We struck up a conversation. He said, why don't you come in for an interview? Well, I didn't know much about Wayne Brothers. Uh, but I, I got to their office and said, you know what, these guys, uh, much like you guys here, you know, they know what they're doing. 
they value the right things, and I think I'd be a good fit. And uh, been there 18 years and loved every minute of it. That's pretty cool that he was standing there recruiting at NC State. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was you didn't have a lot of construction companies doing that at that time. Not I really. remember uh, when I was graduating, and and you you go to the career fair, it was it was the tech companies. Mm-hmm. When I was coming out, that was who was up there recruiting, and you didn't see a lot of construction companies. Um, but that that took some vision, yeah, on his part to be up there and say, "I got to find the best." Yeah, it did, and it worked out well for for both me and, and one of my classmates, Adam Wiesner. We both graduated that year. I think Wayne Brothers was looking for one what we called a project manager in training at that time. On the you know we we started in '85 as a concrete business, and and our grading group, which we now call the Civil Group, kind of grew out of that. Um, and, uh, at the end of my very first interview, I said, you know, I saw on the website, you guys do dirt work. You got any interest in hiring that? And, um, you know, Keith kind of looked up at the ceiling and rolled around his mind for a second. He said, I tell you what, let me call you back. And a couple weeks later, I came back, interviewed with a different group of people and we're off to the races, moving dirt, laying pipe, building roads. It was a lot of fun. Now, what does a project manager in training do on day one? I tell you what, the exact same thing anybody who just comes out of orientation and shows up on the job site does. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I joke around. My very first day, at, um, uh, David Ashworth, who I reported to, um, and he picked me up bright and early. Uh, we met at the office. He picked me up and took me around to a couple of jobs. That's pretty small grading business at that time, not doing much work at all. So we can make it around to every job before lunch, really. Um, but we, we spent, uh, we spent some time, he dropped me off with a crew and, uh, we were putting in some silt fence down and in, uh, a high quality area. So we were putting in silt fence with a pickaxe and a shovel. And I was just with five or six other guys, many of which still work here, which is awesome. You know, we share a lot of those experiences putting in silt fence and then hop back in the truck. And we went down to, uh, we were building a, a, chemical plant in Chester, South Carolina. And uh, that's one of my favorite stories that I always tell everybody is, you know, my very first day I was so nervous, I couldn't even pull a string line. Mm. You know, I I got the dumb end of the string line, hold this on this tack right here. And I still somehow got it tangled up in caution tape and all, Mm. you know, it's just that superintendent sitting there saying, you ain't gonna make it. (laughs) I don't know about this guy. Yeah, you ain't gonna make it. So that's what I tell everybody. Just first day jitters, but work hard. Yeah good character, good work ethic, show up on time, you'll make it. You know, we've heard that several times uh, from from leaders that have come in and talked about programs that they're implementing for internships and management yeah. training programs that you start in the field. Yeah. You start in the field, and that's you've got to learn that. You've got to get out there and understand what you're asking people to do. You've got to work side-by-side mm-hmm. side with them, get dirty, understand the business from the ground up, but start in the field. That's exactly right. It, it does a lot of great things. I mean, one, you learn the work, right? You have yeah. to know the work. If you want to manage the work and manage the people, you have to know it. But from an emotional intelligence standpoint, we're talking we're going to talk a little bit about that today, right? You have to know the people. No better way to get to know somebody than in a 95-degree day with a pickaxe putting silt fence in yeah. together. Absolutely. Right? You, nice. you get to know each other pretty quick. You know who's going to work hard, who's going to not, who's going to lay down on you, who, who's going to work. And, um, but, but then even more, you build those relationships, right? And that's what this is all based on. Um, and so, like I mentioned, there's a few people here that on that very first day, um, you know, literally showed me how to pull a string line or run a pickaxe, which you think anybody know that just jumping out of the back of a truck, but I still got those relationships with them. Um, and, and we share those stories every time we interact. You know, the other thing that you have too, cause I, I did, I st- when I started with Martin Marietta, I graduated from college, went straight to work at Martin Marietta, similar type program, management training program. They put me in the quarry. And I went to the quarry for six months, and for six months, every pocket I had was full of dust and dirt. And yeah. um, but I never will forget that experience because for the next twenty years, while I was working at Martin Marietta and climbing uh, climbing that ladder, I never forgot what it was like to be out there right. in the quarry. And and. Uh, now we're in positions where we can make decisions and those decisions are going to impact those people out there. When we say, Hey, just stay late. Now you've been there, you know what it means to stay late. Hey, come in on Saturday, come in. Uh, you know, I want you, you got to work 60 hours a week right now. Like now, you know what it is and you'll carry that the rest of your career. I never will forget that. I'm grateful that that's how it started. Yes. 
That's it. Yeah. I think if everybody in the construction industry started that way, we wouldn't have a leadership problem. No, it, no that's a good point. Because of exactly the reasons that you're talking Respect, about. Respect. Yeah. 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 Well, tell me about you personally. How? Tell me about Jim. You got family. Where'd you grow I up? And... I do. I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Um, went to Asheville High. Still have a lot of great friends back home and, and spread across the southeast. And um, But uh, went to school at NC State. And re- really one of the first times I left home. Um, and, and went to school in Raleigh. Got a civil engineering degree. We, we mentioned I met Keith at the career fair. Yeah. And uh, and started at Wayne Brothers right out of school, just ready to go to work. And um, loved moving dirt and laying pipe and doing all that sort of stuff. And my uh, had a good friend here who um, uh, introduced me to my wife. They work together. She's an accountant. Um, we got married. I'll get this wrong, so I shouldn't even start this sentence. But we okay, got, we, got, we got married in <laughs> 2010. We got three little daughters. Yeah. Um, right. twin eight-year-olds and a seven-year-old. Oh, wow. So, you know, about eight years ago, we were zombies. Seven years ago, we were zombies walking around not knowing what was going on, but it's wonderful now. We got them all on the same soccer team, and I get to coach it and um, yeah. and play basketball, and, you know, they, they get out and do all the different stuff, so it's a lot of fun. You want me to tell you what those girls turn into in about seven, eight more years? Oh, man, I think that's longer than a one-hour podcast. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I have twins also. I oh, have boy and girl twins. You got boys. Yeah. 16. Okay. Boy and girl. Yeah, yeah I've got two girls. Yeah. One of them's actually at NC State right now. Oh, yeah, really? So great school. Go Pack. Go Pack. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, so, Jim, you you alluded to it. We're, today, we're going to talk about emotional intelligence, which I was thinking about that this morning, getting ready, bam, bam, that who would have thought that a bunch of construction dudes would be sitting around the table talking about emotional intelligence? Talking about people's feelings. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine what yeah, our, a, our fathers and grandfathers yeah, would be thinking right now if they said— a rough old construction feller sitting here talking about people's feelings. I, yep. I was sitting here, uh, you know, I was driving in this morning, and I was thinking, if, if my dad asked me, what are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing a podcast on emotional intelligence today. I don't know what he would do. He'd just shake his head and say, yeah. how in the world are you still employed? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mine, I've just told mine. We, yeah, um, he asked me this morning. I talk to mine every day, and he asked me this morning. He's, I said, we got two more to do today. He said, what are you talking about today? I said, just dirt stuff. Just dirt stuff. Just dirt stuff. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about, dirt stuff. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about emotional intelligence. And, Jim, I'm hoping you can give us some some insight as to uh, how people screw this up and why it's important and where you've seen it go bad. Um, I thought just – and I did this for myself because I wasn't exactly sure what the definition of emotional intelligence was. So the Harvard Business Review says emotional intelligence is defined as the ability to understand and manage your own emotions as well as recognize and influence the emotions of those around you. Right. It's peopling, right? And and the, and dealing with the biggest uh, personality in the room, which is your own, and being able to understand that. So, talk to me about emotional intelligence. What what that means to you and and your experience. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Well, we've we've loved the study of emotional intelligence with our leaders at Wayne Brothers. It's been awesome. But before we kind of dig into it, I'll, I'll tell you just a, a quick story um, from last night. So I've listened to a number of you, you all's podcasts, and, and from time to time. Um, and hopefully I'm not getting too far ahead, but you've asked the question, how would your spouse introduce you or describe you? Right. Yeah. We um, dropped that this season, but I, yeah. but you were ready for it. Yeah. So we're going to do, how would your spouse well, well, introduce so I, you? I asked my wife last night, we're sitting there watching the hurricanes game and there's a million different periods cause it kept going into overtime. So I said, Hey, you know, Chelsea, I'm going on this podcast tomorrow. I've heard them ask this question before, just in case it comes up, how would you describe me? And, um, you know, and she kind of purses her lips and she's thinking i'm sitting here and i'm going like oh this is great just you know <laughs> loving father wonderful husband yeah. you know just great businessman you know study uh student of the bible good friend i'm just going down what are all the things she, she could go she said uh annoying and frustrating <laughs> And then went back to playing Candy Crush. And I went, all right, so that's over. So we, so when we start and we talk about emotional intelligence, it's about self-awareness, right? 
I didn't have very much self-awareness in that moment. I'm sitting there just going down a list of things going, oh, man, here's what I lay it on me. I can't wait to hear all these wonderful things that you're about to tell me that I feel about myself or hope they're aspirational things that I want to feel about myself. And she hits me with annoying and frustrating. All right. That would have been better just to let her watch that commercial and let's us not talk about what it. What a great example right there. And so it's perfect. So emotional intelligence, just like you said, it's our ability to really understand our emotions, how they impact others, and then leverage those to help others feel the same way and how they're impacting those, those around us, right? And so um, the things that I think are two of the in construction – you, you, we were sitting here talking about what if our fathers and grandfathers thought we were in here talking about emotions, right? Yeah. There's so many of us in this industry that we still live by that. We're thinking about that hardened World War II veteran who came home from the front and was just the stoic, you, you know, I'm not going to talk about it. You know, And, and um, there's a time and a place for everything, but the vast majority of the time, it's not that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, And the two things that I think the construction industry and, and and those of us that are in it struggle with the most are empathy and then uh, um, stress management, right? We are in a tough work environment every single day. If you let it, those stresses can just mount up to the ceiling, right? And, and most of us pick this industry because we like to solve problems. We like to work with our hands. We like to do things. We like to get things done. And we have a high level of stress tolerance. Right. And then what we don't realize is as, as stress mounts, you know, if we have a very high stress tolerance, we can be living right here just below that, that stress tolerance. And we don't realize it. But as we approach it, all of the rest of our emotional intelligence kind of gets worse. We have less empathy. You know, if we have a tendency to be more independent or assertive, we, we lean on that strength and less on the collaboration. We can be harder on people. We cannot understand where they're coming from. And, and so then you get into the empathy, which is we, most people, it, you know, when we talk about empathy in the construction industry, we go being easy on somebody or being soft or I'm old school. Well, that's, yeah. not, that's not what we're talking about at all, right? When we're talking about empathy, we're talking about, hey, I can understand where Bam Bam's coming from. I can put myself in his shoes. I don't have to agree with it or even condone it. I can just understand and relate to where he's coming from, right? So I think, uh, you know, you can go a million different ways with emotional intelligence, especially in the construction industry. But the two that I focus on the most, especially when we're talking with our guys, is that that stress management and the ability to have some empathy. Yeah, that's, uh, I want to go back to your example in the beginning, because I thought that was so good what you did, asking your wife about how she would introduce you. And, you know, you brought up, so emotional intelligence is broken up into four different areas. One of them is Mm self-awareness and self-management. Right. And then the other is uh, social awareness and relationship management. So it's it's your awareness of of you and what makes you who you are. And then managing that and then what's going on with others and managing those relationships. So in that situation, you had a different perception of you than your wife had, Correct. which I don't think she was being completely <laughs> honest. But the other thing that probably got missed in that was your social awareness. Like She was in the middle of Candy Crush. <laughs> like she didn't want to mess with she yeah. didn't, she, It wasn't a time to fluff you up and make you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. She was You were being annoying in that moment. You, you nailed it at 930 on a Thursday while yeah. we're watching the Hurricanes or I'm watching the Hurricanes. You know, she doesn't care about paying me any 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 sort of compliments. She'd rather jab me a little bit. That's right. right. So your social awareness in that was you didn't take into consideration what she was doing. And I love that you pointed out, you know, that self-awareness. I read a statistic that said 95% of us think that uh, we are self-aware, but yet only 10 to 15% of us actually are. Right. Have you ever done one of the 360 evaluations? Have you? Eye-opening, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're humbling. Cut you to the bone. Have you ever done that, bam, bam? So a 360 evaluation is, uh, you know how you, have you ever done a self-evaluation? Kind of how you do in certain areas? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, imagine somebody doing that and then giving that evaluation to all your team members and people that spent time working with you each day. And they were evaluating bam, bam. Oh, okay. Okay, yep. And so you see yourself as one way. You think you're a leader and and maybe a good leader, and and then you get that feedback from the team, and it can be humbling. Very, very much so. Yeah, when you start comparing where you think you are versus where others see you, you know, we we talk about that a lot is 
we we judge ourselves based on our intentions, right? Based on our intent. Yep. Other people judge us based on our actions, right? So that self-awareness, we, we may think, you know, I may go, well, I'm the best father in the world or best husband in the world because I intend to do these certain things. Well, I don't actually ever get them done. So I'm getting judged as a parent and a father, as, as a parent and a husband based on what I actually did. Right. So I could have the best intentions in the world. So that's when we go back to that, that self-awareness, the closer we can get to stating what our intentions are so that others know and then aligning our actions with them, the closer then we can come to that. Well, you know, getting back to the self-awareness right. going, hey, here is what I'm trying to do. Y'all help me get there. Right. And then there's so many times where we just don't have it for all the reasons you just listed. You know, we're kind of in our own little world. We tell ourselves these stories. We're as much as we hate to say it, we're the center of our own universe, and uh, we don't realize that other people have other things going on around us. And and that lack of awareness generates that lack of self awareness and really hurts our relationships. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, and I think you hit on something uh, that I mean, is very very true that we struggle in in the industry with empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I struggle with it per, uh, personally. I, that's probably one of the things I pray for most is yeah. empathy. Give me empathy because I, I am very quick to say, you know what? I don't want to hear about your problems. I don't want to hear about that. Right. Just just rub some dirt on it and keep moving. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but emotional intelligence requires that you meet people where they're at. Right. And you understand how to use that to influence their behaviors and their uh their actions. I, I feel help. like that is one of the hardest is that empathy, mm-hmm. you know, because you get to a point to where, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, we got to have it done this way. And that's the way I'm going to bring it to them. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about, you know, if they come back at us, if they, you know, come back with another solution or another problem, if yeah. we don't check our ego and step back and look at where they're coming from, you know, that, that's not hard to, to do is is to overlook that that empathy and, and not know where they're coming from right you know jim have you talked to us about so this whole series is about how not to be a leader yeah. right and we took a different spin on this and and instead of sitting here telling you how to how to uh utilize emotional intelligence and all the things that you need to do we thought about what if we tell you the times where it went wrong right what not to do. Right. Don't do this. If you if you want to be a loser in the game of leadership, this is what you need to do. Right. Where have you seen this go bad? Man, I tell you what, I thought about that a fair amount, and I came up with a bunch of different stories. And as I was going through those stories in my mind, I realized, you know what, a lot of these are me. Mm. Right? Uh, right. You know, and, and a, lot of them, a lot of our issues come from a really good spot. Right. So we talked a little bit about that EQI 2.0 and, and, and that was really enlightening to me. Um, it, tell me tell me about that. Yeah. So the, um, so it, very similar to an IQ, you have an EQ. Right. Unlike an IQ, you know, if 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 I doesn't matter whether I'm a member of Mensa or, or the biggest knucklehead that you've ever met, my IQ kind of is what it is. I can study and get smarter, but my 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 IQ just stays where it is. Right. EQ, your emotional intelligence quotient, you can. You can work on it and improve. Can change. Okay. Can change. And the, and the whole point around the EQ score is, you know, if you say an average score is 100, um, you don't just want to have, you know, and, and it's made up of 12 or, or 16 different um, categories. You don't really want a 120 in one area and an 80 in another. You, you'd rather just have 100 or a 90 or 110, right? Because your strengths and your weaknesses all play to give you that emotional intelligence score. And so then I go back to your 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 question, like where have you seen where leadership has kind of failed in this regard? And I'll, I'll use myself as an example. When, when I took that for the first time, I want to say it was probably 2016. I was a young leader at Wayne Brothers, was 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 running our, our grading group, but uh, maybe had a little bit of an imposter syndrome, younger guy, um, bunch of people in the industry that have been here longer than I have, tr- and I'm trying to get things done, trying to earn people's respect, trying to show them that I know what I'm doing. And if you look at my emotional intelligence source, which I didn't have at the time, um, I uh, could be a little assertive, maybe a little independent, uh, didn't always seek out help, didn't always collaborate. And, and so what are the reasons for that? When we go into the emotional intelligence, we go, all right, well, I had that imposter syndrome going on. I didn't want to come ask Bam Bam, who'd been in it for a while, for help because I, I need to prove to Bam Bam that I can do this, that I'm worthy, right? So then I get our, our get 
tied up in something and get us going down a path that I didn't really fully vet out because I didn't have the experiences that Bam Bam did. I spent two years out in the field, made some good relationships and learned a lot, but I, that's not anything compared to what Bam Bam did for 20 years. Right. Right. So, so then as, as, as I took our team and our crews and our staff down a couple of different paths that probably could have been a lot less bumpy if I had engaged people like Bam Bam, then I, I realized, all right, and, and these scores really helped me realize I'm, I'm a little bit too independent over here. So what are the reasons why? And then you dig into it and you realize, okay, I kind of got this imposter syndrome going on a little bit. Well, let me engage with these others and, and where my weaknesses are showing through, somebody else has a strength. So let's collaborate. Let's get together. I can use your experiences and then we can put a little bit better plan together. And then I can use some of, some of my scores like the independence to, you know, I'm going to work late at night and go get this done or I'm going to take on the bull by the horns. Right. But we, we really, we don't really think about it from, um, from that perspective, most of the times we have a strength that becomes a weakness because we rely on it too much. Right. Um, and, and really if we, if we don't need to necessarily focus on the weaknesses, we're not trying to beat ourselves down, but we're really looking for ways we can collaborate with others and use their strengths to make a more well-rounded score of emotional intelligence, have a better team. So this is an assessment. Do you, do all your leaders take this assessment? The vast majority of them do. And, and, and the, Here's the coolest thing, like, you know, you got DISC and Myers-Briggs and all these other ones, and, and they're all great. We've used them, too, but they tell you kind of what you are. So at times, it can become a crutch. You go, well, I'm a high D, or, you know, I'm a this, or I'm a that, so it's, you just got to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. With emotional intelligence, it gives you a set of scores, and you put together an action plan, and you go, here's how I can improve. Here's how I can get better. Yes, this is what I am right now, and I need you all to know it so I can get your support, and, and we can work together to be a little bit better team, but... Here are the things that I'm working on, and can you help me get to where I want to be? And you kind of expand and round out those scores so that your strengths and weaknesses aren't playing against each other. What wonderful uh, tool to use to really develop leaders. I, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds powerful. So do you when you look at this, and I'm not familiar with the assessment, mm-hmm. is, there, is there a score where you say, you're probably not a good Wayne Brothers leader? You know, that's another cool thing about it. So it, not really. Okay. It it can give you some scores where you where you can understand you know, if you had somebody who was just way off the charts in one area and just and you know it's, it really looks kind of like a a round spider web. So if you can think of one that's spiked out here and another one's very concave, mm-hmm. you go all right. You know maybe maybe this is a little bit too much of a project, right? right. But most of the time you can look at it and you, it really is just a tool to help you understand where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, and you become more self aware, and you start asking yourself these questions. All right, why am I doing this? Well, here's just one little indicator that would tell you why you might be. And then you, but in reality, this is all just, these are just scores on pieces of paper. They're not going to tell you anything about you. We're pretty complex. You know, I've been around 40, almost 42 years now, and I've got 42 years worth of experiences that make me, me. And I'm the only one that's lived them. Right. So yeah, these scores on this paper will tell me a couple of things, but I'm going to have to ask myself really hard, myself really hard questions to understand what goes into them and how to improve them, right? So that's the coolest thing about it. If somebody's really willing to work on themselves and really ask themselves hard questions and then answer those hard questions and figure out a way to kind of grow, that's probably the coolest part about the tool. That is cool. That is cool. How is Wayne Brothers helping people to uh, to reach that point? If, they, if there are areas where they say, hey, I've got to improve, I've got to do that, how are you as a company helping them do that? Various different ways. So it we have a very formal process where we they take the assessment, we deliver the results with somebody who's certified to deliver the real information, and then we have uh, a, a few of us that know the information well enough to sit down and can do in- interval coaching, coaching sessions, right? But I had a pretty cool experience a week or two ago where I had a superintendent um, uh, call me and just said, "Hey, I need to talk." It was it was a Friday afternoon. I said, "You want me to come now?" Or, or he said, "No, no rush." I went down there. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday the next week. And we sat there and, he, and we walked the job and I didn't know what he wanted to talk about, right? We walked the job and we looked over and I said, all right, what's, what's going on? He said, well, I just kind of feel this, right? I said, all right, well, talk to me about that. So then we, we kind of went back to some of those conversations and scores and like, hey, do you remember, you know, and, and, we, and he already, he'd already put together an action plan where he'd been working on some of these things. So he had some of the language too, that he could use those tools to, to interact with me and then I could bounce some questions off of him that he could answer and you could see the wheel start turning. Right. And we were able to just have a much deeper level of conversation because we'd had that 
that common language from this EQI 2.0 assessment. So um, I think there's a lot of formal things you can do to grow, but the relationships that it builds out of the conversations, out of these, these little informal, these informal conversations um, are, are even more productive than just sitting there looking at the scores on paper. I think it's incredible. Yeah, it sounds like you're getting a lot of buy-in on that too. It sounds like you know everybody's gra- grabbing onto that and pulling it into them and, and and taking it to heart. And that's, I was that's about a to ask thing. you, do you get resistance? I mean, do yeah. do you have guys that say, "Man, I'm not, I'm not feeling this touchy feely stuff. Yeah. This is, yeah. I don't have time to talk to you about your emotions, Jim." Yeah, for sure. It, so it. it, it it's not utilized by every single person in the company. There, right. there, and but the ones that that do it really enjoy it, right? And you have j- just like everything, you have different levels of adoption. So you know, you have some that may get the assessment and they they get the results. And like, all right, that's great. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed the conversation. I'll know a little bit more about myself. You have other people that'll take the next step and put together an action plan, and they'll work on it. And and at that that becomes something that they work on, but that it kind of goes on the shelf at some point. You have other people that'll take the assessment, put together the action plan, work on it, quarterly meetings, uh, take the assessment again in three years, see how it's going, and then have conversations like that superintendent that I just described did. So, um, very varying levels of adoption, but the ones that do get a lot out of it. They get a lot out of it. Yeah. We've seen some of that. I mean, you mentioned disc. We we did disc, uh, and just that piece of it. You know, there was resistance in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Why am I having to do this? Right. But then it was eye opening yeah. as to some of the problems that they've been having for years. They they started to begin to see why they were having those problems, where the barriers were, and how to overcome them. Uh, this is this is powerful stuff. Yeah. And I love that you came out when I said, where have you seen this thing go wrong? And you said many of the examples are mine. Oh, yeah. I, I tell you what, they are. And, and um, I, I, we could spend, you know, what time is we could spend till five o'clock or even later today talking about all the different things that I've messed up. Um, but it, my wife actually shared with me a quote last night that I really like. And it said, you know, if I could go back in time and uh change things i'd still make the exact same mistakes i'd just make them sooner right Mm. we learn from those mistakes so that's what we all kind of have to we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace here too as well as others that's that's a big part of it we can give ourselves some grace we got to give others grace we understand none of us are perfect we all have experiences that are different none of us know what each other's exact experiences are but the more that we can interact with each other get to know each other build those relationships the, the closer we'll come to understanding each other's experiences. And then when you do blow up or I blow up or we have something where we kind of really fumble the football, there's going to be somebody there that kind of understands where we're coming from and goes, all right, well, I can understand how Jim got there. He's been through this before, and that really set him off there, right? So that that's one of the best things about um, these emotional intelligent conversations. It, it, it's been a stigma for so long. We wouldn't talk to our fathers, grandfathers, whoever else about that in the past. We do now. Right. And hopefully we're talking to each other about it because that's how relationships are built. You know, it's it's, it's based on trust. And it, and that trust comes from, starts from a vulnerability, right? If I'm always closed off, I'm never given trust. I'm never earning trust. If I'm a little bit vulnerable and go, hey, you know, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with this mindset or emotion or thing and somebody's there for me. You know, we're kind of spiraling up in the right direction at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that you you brought up the empathy. I was looking, so global leadership development firm DDI ranks empathy as a number one leadership skill. Mm-hmm. Empathy, and then we we have been uh, we've been utilizing extreme ownership. We do a oh, yeah. lot of uh, coaching with that. You know, extreme ownership says that number one uh, skill is humility. Number yeah. one quality is humility. So yes. you combine humility, the, the ability to say, hey, I've got issues. Some of these mistakes that are being made, they're mine. I need to improve in these areas. You combine that with the empathy to be able to re- see that in others and to help them and to coach and mentor. That's powerful. That, that's a game changer. It really is. It, I, I love golf, and golf is a game of opposites. You swing right to go left. You swing down to go up, you know, I mean, to make the ball go up. I mean, and so, and a lot of what we're talking about is the same way. You, you know, that extreme ownership, that story that Jocko Willink tells about when he's like, all right, I'm, we just had a, a that, that blue on blue incident. This is the absolute worst possible thing that could happen. I'm about to go in here in front of my commander and I'm about to tell him what goes wrong. 
our natural instinct is to figure out some sort of issue that was not our fault blame it on, and blame it. Blame it on anything or anybody else. Yep. And, and in our mind, it's just intuitive that that is the way that you get out of the issue. In reality, it's the complete opposite. He went in, he took ownership. He owned it. This was my issue. And all of a sudden, you know, they're like, yeah, but he didn't lose his job. And then eventually he got promoted and he's moving through the ranks. And same thing with vulnerability. How do we project strength as a leader? We think it's because we're that hard, tough, uh, you know, beat your hand on the table leader. When in reality, we project strength through vulnerability and opening ourselves up to others and having those conversations. And then we build the relationships that people understand, well, that's a real strong person there. So just a game of opposites. Leadership is, it is. complete opposite of what we intuit things to be. Yeah. You've got this vision of that, that leader in your mind. And, and yet the things that are going to make you the better leader are things like humility, empathy, yes. grace, compassion. Yep. <laughs> it's totally different, totally different than what we used to think. Huh? It is. And I, you know, thinking about, you know, this conversation today, I've, I've seen leaders lead by intimidation and, and you mm-hmm. find yourself whenever you're under them, you find yourself picking out these little points. You're trying to find good, you know, okay, well, he did get us this and he did give us that, but right. you know, Oh God, here he comes, you know, look busy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you try to pick the, the good stuff out and maybe in some ways hope that that outweighs the, Oh God, here he comes complex, right. which is terrible. Right. You know, and, and you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to. We shouldn't put people through that yeah. as, as leaders. Yeah. You know, we should uh, provide, you know, be there for them, listen to them. A right. uh, guy the other day said, love on them, you know, yeah. a little bit, you know, and, and that's exactly what this is about. But the piece that's missing is you got to be aware of it. Yes. Yep. Yep. You got to be aware of it. You got to be aware of it in yourself and you got to be aware of what's going on in others. And I think mm-hmm. that's where we screw this thing up sometimes. We're running so hard and we've got this uh, perception of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be that we just we just miss that. Absolutely. You know, with DISC, I was always taught, look at everybody else. Right. Because you know, I come from emergency services, okay. uh, fire and police. And and we were always taught, look at everybody else, don't look at yourself. And then I go up, come in here, and hey, first couple of months I'm here, I'm sitting in this class, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> uh, and then they open up this whole new, you know, whole new realm to me. You know, and now I'm able to look at me and understand that. And and so it, it just, you know, it kind of it's, it's steps. And and you know, I feel like that that EQ stuff you're talking about, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it'll cut you open just like those 360s will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to do a 360 on you and I okay. after this. Okay. You're going you're gonna to evaluate me, and I'm going to evaluate you. Okay. You're going to, you know, like. Be nice. Okay. I'll be, be nice. Jim, we're going to, going. Uh, this is getting serious, so we're going to relax a little bit. We're yeah. going to have some fun, uh, and then we're going to yeah. dig back into it because I, I want to uh, I want to ask you how this thing plays out. Yeah. Um, if. For that person that has no emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. what does that story end up? So I want to come back to that. Okay. But first, Bam Bam, uh, he's really good at coming up with these games. Okay. And so he's got a good one for us today. Uh-oh, now I'm more nervous than I started. Oh, yeah, you probably should be. <laughs> okay, so so this game is called Five Second Summaries. All right. Okay, before you, you see a small stack of cards. Uh-huh. Uh, each one of you going to take turns pulling uh, – Pull a movie title. Okay. 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 You, you, as soon as you pull the card out, you got five seconds to describe it. You can't say the movie name. You got five seconds to describe it. And then the other person has to guess the movie. All right. Okay. Okay. If you want to, (laughs) what'd you call this game again? This is called five second summary. All right. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to draw a card and describe it without saying the title. And Brandon's going to guess it. Yes. And what can we not say? We can't say You can't say the title of the movie. The title. You can't, you can't say uh you can't say the uh the title or the actors' names. Actors' names. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you good with movies? I hope so. We're about so, to find out. So Let's, is this you too? Because I'm not gonna be I may are, not be able to judge it. What you, you gotta be involved somehow, right? Yeah, you do it. Too. We'll I, go I, around. I thought, we'll all draw one. I thought maybe I was the game show host. Well, you can do that too. We'll okay, all draw no, one. I'll, I'll draw Bob one Parker. as well. Okay. Five seconds, huh? I'll Five keep a seconds. timer. 
Who's right. who's going first? That's your call. All right, y'all look like you're both. All right. I'll, I'll draw the first one, and I'll, okay. I'll I'll take the first. I got bullet. you. As soon as you look, okay. we start the clock. So, right, so I'm 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 gonna draw it, and then I have five seconds to describe it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready? Here we go. All right. Uh, robots with AI in the Stop. future. Robocop. That's a I great am. One. I love that one. I robot. I what is that with Will Smith? Where I I don't know. It is I robot. Is it I robot? Yeah. Is it? That is amazing how fast five seconds goes. <laughs> it is. It is. I got actually more five out. and a half seconds. Yeah. So uh, I got to have a second more. Did we get it? More. It's Terminator. Close. Oh, I love RoboCop. Hey, you were yeah. close. You were yeah. all over it. You yeah. were all over yeah. it. All right, here, start the timer. I'll pull one. Ready? Yeah. Um, uh, you made a time machine out of a DeLorean. Uh, back to the Future. Oh. Mm. Yes, sir. <laughs> Four point eight one. Come on, man. Bam. I'm glad we all grew up in Come the same on. era. I'm just gonna tell you, this ain't gonna be good. <laughs> Uh, you ready? Yeah, let's go. He's green. His wife is green. She was a Shrek. princess. Oh, got it. I forgot the timer. Yeah, but I'm going to give you that one because I, I let it go. Okay. It's hard to watch that timer. I was yeah. going with the Hulk. Oh, yeah. I was, my His mind went. was the Hulk. Well, then you messed me up with the wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. You messed me up with you, the wife. My turn. Yep. Ready? Yep. yep. Uh, they'd strap uh, Grandma to the top of the uh, throw time. Grandma from the time. time. <laughs> that's it. Oh, oh, I wish that's it. Lampoons. National okay. Lampoons. They strapped strap Grandma to the top. I couldn't <laughs> get Station Wagon out. I was trying to like, say minivan. How many movies where Grandma gets strapped? Uh, I yeah. thought you had it. I thought you had well, that. I was, uh, yeah, I was thinking that, but said the other. But, yeah, hey. Oh, man. Right, great great yeah, movie. That's my excuse anyway. Ready? Right. <laughs> Uh, near, far. Titanic. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. That's it. We please cut that. We are not oh, aired that. Absolutely. Not. I've still never seen that movie, but that that I was will, it. I will go by the teller machine. You did it. That's what we knew was my, going on. My wife That's, will not okay. let me carry money, but I will go by the teller machine if you do not cut. <laughs> oh my god so it's my turn no more games bam oh bam god, this is... you ready alright you ready yeah go I don't even know I ain't never seen this one but it's it's stop <laughs> yeah. okay I'm glad you stopped me because yeah. I seem to crack my back The Matrix The Matrix you've never one seen one. The Matrix no I ain't never watched oh yeah Keanu Reeves yeah yeah, yeah. that is an older one but He's, yeah, that was going to be hard to guess. Yeah, yeah. He's a lot. All right. One, isn't he? We got a couple more. My turn. Yeah, we got yep. a couple more. All right. Go. Uh, phone home. ET. E. Boom. Three yeah. seconds. Three seconds. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. That's going to be tough to beat. All right. Here we go. Uh, favorite Christmas movie? Yippee Kaye. Oh, Die Hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost finished uh, the sentence. You got to uh, be careful out here. Yeah, I, I had to stop. <laughs> I got a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It, it is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I agree right. with that. This, is, the this is you. Finish strong. Bam, bam. You ready? Yep. Go. Right. Mafia. Good fellas. Got it. Wow. Smoked it. Wow. One of the best ones. That's oh, a good one. One more. We got one more. Yeah, might as well. Go ahead. All right, Jim. Me? Last one. You Here ready? we go. Uh, cornfields. Uh, uh, Field of Dreams. Oh. Nice job. Good bam, bam. Yeah. Good, good job. Good game. Great good. movies, too. Yeah. Near. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain is singing more. That Keep them coming. Awful. Keep them coming. That was awful. <laughs> Jim, thanks for playing the game with us. Uh, that was, and you were a good sport on that. You actually did one. really good on that. We only had one that we, a couple that we missed. Yep. And it has been an honor co-hosting this show with you, Celine. Celine. <laughs> Celine. So, Jim, going back to it, I want to round this thing out. For those that are saying, all right, how um, to not be a good leader. Uh, that that leader that you've got in place that does not have the ability to be empathetic or manage stress, 
How does that play out? I'll tell you what. What does that look like? It looks like a lot of people around you not smiling, right? Nobody's happy. Yeah, we we spend a lot of time talking about what is a what is a good up and coming leader look like, and we go, all right, well, they're they're dirty and they're you know they're engaging and they're happy. But if we if you say what what does it look like for somebody who does not have the emotional intelligence you need at this time, right? Because we can always improve. That's one of the great things. If they don't right. have it at this time, it it looks like people who are frustrated when you come around, right? People who don't feel like that they are understood when you're having conversations or listened to, right? That transactional relationship. There's a lot, a lot of us just, we're so busy. It, anytime in this industry, we're blessed. It's wonderful. Um, you say, hey, how's work going? Busy, busy, man. Busy. Just busy. Everybody says well, And when you're so busy, it really can force you, or not force you, but cause you to start having very transactional relationships, right? Bam Bam needs something from me. And he needs to get on about his rat killing for the rest of the day. Jim, I need this. Here you go. And then he's off to the races. Yep. Right. And uh, me, as I have, you know, like we talked about earlier, I have a high independent score. Right. It'd be very easy for me to go off into my office, do things all day. All right. I need something from Bam Bam. I come out. Hey, Bam Bam, I need this. He gives it to me. And then I'm back. Right. That transactional relationship. Relationships are debits and credits. And just like a bank account. If you run out of money before you run out of spending, you're gonna you're gonna be a bad you're gonna be a bad day, right? And these are relationships you have to deposit every single day because there's gonna be a time where you need to draw, need to draw, and if you deposit enough, if you engage enough, then you're not gonna overdraw that relationship. It's, yeah. it's, it's gonna be an abundant. But if you just are all the time withdrawing, it ain't gonna last very long. Either you're gonna be gone or they're gonna be gone, and we can't do things by ourselves. Somebody shared a. Um some advice that they had received one time. It was a friend of mine. He told me this uh, last week. He said, if, if people exhale when you leave the room, <laughs> you may be lacking some self-awareness. Yeah. That's a good one. If people right. relax when you leave, something's wrong. You're exactly right. So My when Jeff exhales. When you leave? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could give her that. Then. Yeah. She yeah. needed a break. Yeah. Jim, you mentioned earlier that the industry, there's a lot going on in yeah. this industry, and there is a good bit of collaboration. You even mentioned Bill Witt. What are you excited about what you're seeing that's happening within the industry right now? Yeah, you know, i tell you what, we're, we're in a great spot from a region that we work in, right? There's a lot of people that want to move here. There are a lot of businesses that feel like this is the right business climate to be in. So because of that, it's producing a lot of volume of opportunities for all of us. That's So I, I'm really excited about yeah. that. But one of the things that I really like the most is that um, whether it's a generational thing or whether it's just kind of the arc of the way things are flowing, that like this, we're collaborating more. I mean, we're, we're competitors. We, we, we're probably bidding against something today with each other, right? There's, right. There's, there's a client who's out there outside these walls right now trying to decide whether we're going to use Wayne Brothers or Hoopaw. And we put that aside and we're figuring out how can we as two competitors, but a part of this industry, make it better. Buildwit is doing. I mean, I think they are setting the tone for that. They are. If it, it, you know, I'd like to think that without that mindset that they've kind of put forward, that I still reach out to Caroline and hope to get on this podcast with you all. But who knows if I do or not? When they're talking about the dirt world and trying to improve it, and all everybody recognizing that this just didn't the, you know, our grandfather's world. We came and we just did a job and went home, right? That it's going to take a lot more than that. And that we spend the vast majority of our lives with the people we work with when we're realizing that there's some real quality of life things that go into that and we're trying to improve it. I think that's what gets me the most excited. It is a fun time. It's a yeah. fun time in the industry. And for, for that reason, the collaboration that's mm -hmm. taking place is, is exciting that yeah. people are finally waking up to it and saying, Hey, we got to do, we, can, we all have the same problems. Yeah. We're all dealing right. with people problems. We're all dealing with uh, and morale and, and leadership issues. Yeah. We can tackle these things together. But the other thing that I love that's happening is we're telling our story. Yeah. You know, here. we're starting to brand our industry for the first time. You guys have been go doing cool things since 
Yeah. Way back in 2005, when they came back and, and hired you or recruited you at NC State, y'all were doing some pretty progressive things. And, mm-hmm. and but nobody was telling that story. Right. And now we're telling the story and we're taking control of the narrative of our industry. Right. Uh, it's no longer a backup option. It's, it's That's it. plan A. I tell you what, we uh, um, we created this little nonprofit that's called Regroup that is really focused on, you know, the, the mission is to increase economic mobility in our community and and decrease the skills gap in the construction trade. And so when you talk about that, like you just said, you know, it used to be when I was going to school, hey, you got to go to college. If you can't go to college, then you can figure out something else, right? Right. Now, it is a better option. Right now, currently, for the vast majority of people, it is a better option to get into the trades and start making money. Yep. Because you, because not only can you get rid of the student debt and and get some real world experiences and start building those relationships. But good companies like Hoopal, like Wayne Brothers, like others, will pay for you to go to school if it ever becomes the right thing to do. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we spent, we had a little fundraising event this past weekend. And one of the things we talked about, one of the stories that got shared was breaking the cycle. Right? So if we're really talking about a win-win for our community, for the businesses, for the people who pay for construction to get put in place, breaking that cycle and helping people who would not have otherwise been engaged in this industry or maybe even engaged in the workforce at all get into this industry and make a good living so that they can raise a good family and create a cycle that's positive as opposed to negative, we're really talking about win, win, win then. And that's huge. And those stories are out there. They, they are. exist. You're one of these stories. Bam Bam's story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've all got these stories where yeah. people have been able to achieve their goals yeah. in this industry. Yeah. So that's, I, I agree with you. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. It's, it's not, you know, it, you know, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, doctor, lawyer, you got to go to school, nurse, you know, yeah. medical field. But you know, if, if you're, if you're going to get in the industry, if you're going to get anywhere in the industry, it, it, it is seems to be swinging towards, um, you know, come out of school, find you somewhere to go to work that cares about you. It's got good leadership. Go to work there and start your career. Yeah. And make great money. You're not giving up yeah, anything absolutely from a quality right. of life standpoint. No. If you think it's good now, you wait till this episode drops. Absolutely. It's going to, Utah about breaking the cycle. We're getting ready to set. Change the world. There <laughs> we go. Making That's the right. dark world a better place. Jim, yeah. this has been a blast. Thank you so much for Thank being you. on the podcast, for being willing to come out and do some collaboration yeah. and to, to do something that helps the dirt world become a better place. Thank y'all. I can't. I can't thank y'all enough. I really uh, enjoyed being here, and y'all have a wonderful, a wonderful place to do this from. Well, I imagine after your wife hears this episode, she's gonna have some different adjectives to use when describing you. Well, thank you. I hope so. I won't ask. <laughs> yeah, you, you learned on that one, didn't you? Jim? Thank you so much. It was thank great you. to have you. Yeah, that's wonderful, Brandon. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Appreciate it, yes, sir.